Welcome to the Just Believe Podcast. I'm your host, Herbie Mack. Look, this podcast is raw, authentic, and unstripped. We're going to turn these hard conversations into conversations. This is the only way we can break the stigma when it comes to mental health and suicide prevention. Now, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review, baby. I need them five stars. Sit back, enjoy the show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Just Believe Podcast. I'm your host, Herbie Mack. I also go by HB Mack. It's all good. Today, I'm honored to have this wonderful conversation that I've been actually looking forward to since I found this young lady. Um, well, not really found. We was in the same spot, like Eric Thomas boot camp, trying to learn how to improve. And she opened up and I was like, man, the connection. And then I saw the, something in the background that said, vulnerability is dope. Instantly, I was like, yo, she's speaking my language. I got I, I got to sit down and connect with her. And this lovely young lady is, Chicky Hume, what is going on? Oh my God, I have never had somebody just call me a lovely young lady before. And you say that the vulnerability is dope is what connected with you. I'm over here looking at your hat always because I'm from <laughs> Queens and I'm just like, is there people from Queens? Or like, you're always wearing that hat. Yeah, so man. I'm, I'm that's huge, what connected with me. I'm and then you start talking about fan. mental health and I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Originally from the Bronx, um, I love the Knicks. Love basketball. Basketball was uh, my coping method that I used to um, help me overcome my challenges. Uh, being blessed, really blessed to play with um, about 10, 10 or 11 guys that made it to the NBA. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't have the grades, man. In school, I, I, I was checked out. I was going through my mental health challenge and I didn't know how to reach out for help. But I thought yeah. it was um, highly important now that I'm older and wiser and overcome my, my dark times to share that because someone out there mm-hmm. might be going through that. 100%. Yeah, so tell the, tell everybody about you. About me? There's so many layers about me, but um, as an intro, I guess I will share that I was born and raised in South Korea um, up until I was 10 years old, and then I came to America, and I started my journey in Michigan uh, near Detroit. And then from near Detroit, I moved over to Lansing, Michigan, because my brother went to Michigan State. And then from there, I moved over to Queens, New York. Okay. And then from Queens, New York, I'm a nomad. And so from <laughs> Queens, New York, uh, for college, I went to Penn State University. Had a culture shock there. There's a lot of white people there. <laughs> <laughs> you take you take a kid from Queens and then put them in like white Pennsylvania. And then it's just like, whoa. Like what is going um, on here? Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, uh, God just pulled me across the country to California. And so I started my Cali journey in San Diego. And then from San Diego, I moved to LA uh, a year and a half ago now. Nice, nice. Uh, For everyone that's listening, San Diego is by far my favorite spot in the world. Is it? Because I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Like, you know, coming from the Bronx, right? Like, right. Okay. And and then when you when I went out there, because I've been in L.A., uh, you know, the, my wife and I, we we did a whole tour of like L.A., San Diego, but just the vibe there is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I'm in, I'm up in Tampa, but the vibe there is different. It's more chilled. Right. <laughs> it's more chilled. It's more chilled. It, it's I'm gonna go out there again. I've been out there twice. I want to do it yeah. after this whole pandemic is over and really enjoy it. Um. Right. So where did vulnerability? is dope come from the message itself came from um me having to move across the country um 
the reason why vulnerability is highlighted is a different story, but where the message vulnerability as dope came from is because I was already speaking at the time. I think that I knew young that speaking was my pull for me. And that's because I used to have a rap career. So I was already used to speaking in front of an audience. I was already used to putting my life into a story and a message. And so I think the transfer of, I, the mic was always in my hand as I, I just had to transfer how I was using the microphone. Right. And so um, how moving across the country comes into play is that I needed money to move across the country. And um, at the time I was working on my speaking and coaching business and I had like one part-time job. And so I needed further extra income to move across the country and to let alone live in California. Yes. And so uh, t-shirts came to mind because I had been working in the online retail business for quite a few years then. And so I already knew the entire process. I knew how to place an order for t-shirts. I knew how to print t-shirts. I knew how to design t-shirts. I knew how to ship t-shirts, the entire process. And that's what just came naturally for me. So from there, I said, I'm just going to make a few t-shirts and just sell it to my friends. And so I said, okay, so what's the message on the shirt? And the original design was going to be just the word vulnerability in a graffiti font. And graffiti because I have a hip hop background, graffiti because Queens built me like graffiti because it's what I was so used to looking around. And so it said vulnerability with a graffiti font and then it had like this crown on top of it. To me, it meant, you know, you look at it, to me it meant vulnerability is real to you. Vulnerability is the top of the top. Uh, but I have a best friend who is a designer by profession. And she said, well, what does this mean? And I said, what do you mean? What does it mean? Look at it. Like it has a crown on top of it. She's like, to you, it makes sense because to you, vulnerability connects to you. And to you, you know what vulnerability means and you know the power of it. However, if somebody who is not in the field of vulnerability or what that looks like looks at the t-shirt they're probably not gonna really understand what this shirt even is or what the message even is, or if there's a message in the first place, does it just look good? And you just put a slap of word on there and make it look cool. And she said that for general public and human beings in general, they need to be explained exactly what it is. And so she said, you have to word it out. So I said, okay, well, I use the word dope a lot because again, the hip hop background and so, I just noticed that naturally in my speaking, I would usually come to an ending with like vulnerability is dope and da 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 da. And I know Coach Val is gonna be like, "Don't do any cliches. It's not a cliche. It's no, dope." It's not. It's not. <laughs> I've been saying it, but <laughs> um, but yeah. So vulnerability is dope just came naturally for me. So I made the shirt in just like a very simple font, put slapped it on a black and maroon T-shirts, and then my friends bought them. Um, and then over time, people started to reach out. Like I had already moved across the country and people started to email me and reach out and was like, Hey, I saw your shirt at a gym or I saw somebody wearing it at this art show. Can I have one? And I'm like, Oh, okay, sure. So I started making, a, making it again. And so I only make my shirts by request. Um, I do pre-orders because I hate wasting material. Yeah. I hate all of that. So I just want to give it to people who, when it's on demand. So I move across the country and I make it again. And then people started, more people started reaching out. 
and I saw I make it again and again. Um, the funniest thing that happened would be that one time a somebody who bought the shirt wore it at like a open mic or something in New York. And a certain person happened to be there and see the shirt. And so after the show, he asked this person with my shirt on, where did you get that shirt? And this guy reached out to me by email saying, hey, I wear a 3X. Can you make one? And um, hi, he was like, hi, my name is such and such. Can I have a 3X? And it happened to be the guy from Mean Girls who who says, his name's Dan. He says, oh, she, she doesn't even go here. And um I was like, I know who you are. I just think it's crazy that like you happen to see my shirt at a random open mic in New York. Yeah. And so I drive like an hour to find a 3X blank t-shirt um, to get a custom printed and all that. And I sent it over to him and he started then going on his comedy tours and started like wearing it every time he was on stage. So then I have more people asking for the shirt. And I'm just like, listen, I only made the shirt to try to make some <laughs> cash to move across the country. And now like you're asking for too much. But like, I'm um, not a legit business, man. I was just no, doing I'm really not. Hustle. It was literally, literally a hobby. Like when, when the IRS like looks at you to like do your taxes, right? they're just like oh is it a business or a hobby i'm like listen i'm trying to keep it a hobby yeah but y'all trying to make me do something <laughs> else but um i also believe in you know the calling of god and whatever he pushes me and directs me to do i do it and uh a lot of cool things have happened with the shirt um a lot of people just like they the message lands for them differently yeah. and i think that's what's so cool about the shirt and especially when men start wearing my shirt um, that's really cool too. And it creates a space where people can feel comfortable to share their truth. Um, I've had people, I've had a young lady who sent me a video of her, like cutting her, she had this like long, beautiful hair. She wore my shirt and cut her hair. And like, especially for women, you know, cutting your hair so short is like it's such a, a big statement. journey. Yeah. yeah it may, it, it means something powerful. And it was like this powerful moment for her. And she was just like cutting her hair and she had like, I am not my hair playing in the background and send me the video. I'm like, this is so freaking cool. Hey, look um, at you. you start a movement. It, it is a movement and a mission and a message. Um, however, like my latest, my latest release, then I wanted to step it up because I said, you know, anything that I do, I want to be better and better. And I wanted to be more creative. And so this here, this logo came out of it. Um, this is based off of like, I don't know if you know what Roots of Fight is, but that's kind of the inspiration behind okay. it, the fight, the fight community, um, and like the very like old school look to it. Um, I came up with another design that says uh, no excellence without self-compassion and then um, came out with this compassion shirt as well. Oh, okay. inspired by the LA Dodgers just because my girls, you know, my girlfriends from LA and all this and everybody here wears like the same thing over and over again. Yeah, Dodgers, yeah. Lakers and Raiders. That's yeah. all they wear. <laughs> I've been to a Super Bowl party where they were wearing, wearing Raiders and the Raiders weren't playing. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you, stay true to, you stay true to yourselves. All right. Uh, but yeah, that's my long answer to vulnerability as though. So now, obviously, this this came from a moment in your life where you you had to be vulnerable in order for you to open up to the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, what was that like when you was like, okay, I'm, I'm going through a mental health challenge, right? And for people that don't know, mental health challenges when 
something happens, like, you know, your behavior change and you just start acting different. Like it can be stress. It can be someone passing or it could just be life in general being too much for you and not having a self-care day, which I like I love about you because you talk about self-care as as well as I do. It's highly important for us to take a break, break that pattern and go do something that we enjoy. It could be watching Netflix, riding a bike, whatever, or even boxing. Right. It could be whatever you have to do to, to get back your normal. So what happened to you to make you want to share the world, your vulnerability now? Yeah, I think I'm finding myself in a moment where I'm just like, I have to remind myself that he's not asking for one minute ULE. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, what was one moment? I'm like, it wasn't just one moment. <laughs> and this is a podcast. I can share my entire yeah, story. You can share, you can share um, so the, the word vulnerability landed for, on my lap in college uh, when I was 18 or 19 years old, my sophomore year. Up until that, that was a moment when Brene Brown was not yeah. where she is now, you know, she was, um, I had to study her work. Like she was a homework assignment. And then oh, this from is before there, the, uh, Ted talk, this, this was after the Ted talk, but okay. before the Ted talk, like blew up, blew up. Okay. Okay. She wasn't in movies. She didn't have as many books as she does now, you know? Um, she was One not as pop authors. in, but right. One of my favorite uh, authors, by the way. I, yes. I, I call her bad bitch Brene Brown, you know? <laughs> Cause she's a bad, you know, you know what is so liberating about her is that like in her speeches, she curses. Yeah. Yeah. She's her. And, this is and, her. and yeah, exactly. And she doesn't curse just to curse. It, it always has a, you know, a meaning. Yeah. And, and it's not like Gary V. Like, Gary V sometimes just curses you know, for no like, reason. He, it's like, dude, you don't have to use he, it. <laughs> he's out there. But, yeah. um, yeah, even CJ says like during, um, uh, for skill, for intention, if there's an intention behind it, stay authentic to yourself. And if you happen to use a curse word, then do it. And she does it, I think so authentically, but, uh, and maybe that's another reason why it like landed for me too. But, uh, before her and before college, I didn't know the word vulnerability. And I also say that like every year I'm so learning something new about English um, I think to this day, I'm still learning something new about English and like new words. Um, and I'm cost, I constantly feel like I'm catching up, yeah. but anyways, uh, when it comes to the story of vulnerability and how that came up, I grew up in a culture, a cultural standard and expectation, a, a family upbringing where, you know, it was very, it, the politeness and, um, respect and honoring the elders was a huge part of my upbringing and so I was always taught to like keep my hands folded together and just like keep my head down and just like not say much and I'm not allowed to speak up speak out speak against no nothing I'm always supposed to like nod my head and say yeah okay yeah I understand yeah 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 um and but at the same time growing up I know that I was a rebel and I felt like a black sheep in the family so I cursed a lot yelled a lot like complete like um, it's a big no-no um, but I used to do that a lot as well because I was just an angry kid and that was because I didn't know how to experience my emotions because being emotional too was a big taboo a big no-no and so a lot of my emotional experiences were more so received as like we'll just wait till she's done and then we can talk if oh, I'm throwing she, a tantrum. Yeah, this is like, a, I'm just about to say that. It sounds like a tantrum. Yeah. It's like if I'm throwing a tantrum or if I'm crying or this and this and that, there wasn't really like holding space or compassion or just kind of like, are you okay? Why are you feeling this way? No dialogue. It was just kind of like, 
there she goes again. She's doing it again. Let's just wait till she's done. And so then there's that narrative of, oh, she's too emotional. She, and so then there's that negative narrative because of that. And so that so much of my life, then it, it comes off as like, well, okay, so me being emotional is a negative thing. And therefore, let me suppress my emotions. Let me not be myself. Let me not explore what I truly want to experience and rather just show up as this like very just like yeah. just nothing. Just no um, emotions. Exactly. And so uh, work ethic and perseverance was taught you know, very easily. It's like second, it's like my main language, like just show up no matter the consequences. And so no matter what, always having to prioritize my academics and academic success. Um, You know, my story where I would come home with an A, it's like, where's the A plus? I come home with an A plus, where's the extra credit? And it was just this constant, like, just seeking after something, but yeah. once I get there, it's like, the oh, it's it's like not there. And yeah. I thought it was there, but it's not. And it just keeps going. And people are talking about these ceilings and the glass ceilings. And I'm just like, I have no ceiling. <laughs> it's not even a glass. It's like, I think it's glass and I get there and it's like, there's nothing yeah. there. It's, um, it's like that... Um... It's like that commercial with the guys like dangling the dollar, like, oh, you almost got it. You almost got it. That's that's what it's like. No, I, you I definitely be quicker just, than that. Yeah, you gotta be quicker yeah, than that. Yeah. Um for for me on the outside, like um looking in, I I never achieved like those high grades. I just that wasn't me. But um at one point when I was doing decent, like you know, your 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 parents were like, hey, can I see your work or whatever? And you had said something to me um that was like, you know what, like some parents were so accepted of their kids of just getting a D or right. F, like the fact that they tried. And I was like, yeah. wow, like at first I thought that was weird. Cause my mom was like, Oh, you know, my mom is not the mom to hang stuff up. Like uh-huh. whatever I got, like she just put it away, whether it was like a trophy for basketball or whatever award or whatever. And for you, when you said like you went to a friend house and saw that you thought it was so weird. And I was like, yo, mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one. My friend would get like a C on his test and his parents would have it all over the, like the, the place. And it just shows that sometimes uh, uh, now that I'm older, I feel like sometimes it's good to encourage your kids as far as like trying to do better. But then when yeah. you put that that extra pressure of like, I want greatness, you're setting up your child for failure. Because in, mm. in, in the real world, life doesn't happen that way. You can you can be the best at everything, but it doesn't mean that you're going to always win, right? Uh, right? For instance, like, like uh, I had a, a really good friend who was, like, way better than me in basketball. He was always used to, like, winning the tournaments and, and being an MVP. So in his mind, he thought he was going to make it to the NBA, right? Mm. As you said, <laughs> we we have plans, and then God has a different plan. Right, and, yeah. And he thought he was going to make it to the NBA, but his parents was ready to like move and go to college and all this stuff. And once he realized like, I don't even like playing basketball, that was it. Mm. And his parents was disappointed more than him. And I'm like, why not just support your child? And and just, he tried his best. He realized I'm good at this, but I actually want to teach people. Let me be a teacher Mm. and help out. You know what I mean? Like that is totally different. So that's why as, as like, now that I'm older and I always advise people, don't be too hard on kids. Encourage them, mm, whatever whatever yeah. they want to do, because that led to a a breakdown that you had, right? Like an emotional breakdown. Yeah. Um, by the way, yeah, coming to America and going into my going like having my first few sleepovers and going into my friends' houses, kitchens, and seeing these 
quizzes and tests and artwork that's not a written anywhere it's like c plus or b minus or something and also the interesting thing is like when i would go into classrooms there was this poster thing on the wall and there were a bunch of star stickers on it and i'm like oh what's this is this like when you get a hundred and they're like no it's your attendance and then once you like reach like 10 you get a chocolate bar i'm like <laughs> why the fuck would i have to why the fuck would I have to get a golden star for sh- showing up to class I'm supposed to show up to and then like get a chocolate bar? I don't know. That was like participation trophies. Like I don't get it. Like I, it's cute. Like I understand it's about encouragement, but I don't know. I don't believe in silver spoons, but anyways, um, when it comes to, uh, <laughs> when it comes to my breakdown, um, so yeah, so g- growing up, I had breakdowns, breakdowns here and there because again, I felt like the black sheep. Again, I never felt seen or heard. Um, just as a human being in general, not just as like an excellent student. You know, I would get into the honor society in high school, and then it was kind of like not celebrated. My friends would have flowers in their hands because their parents got them flowers at the ceremony. I was empty-handed because my mom said, "Of course, you're supposed to be in the honor society." Um, so again, the never ending, the the ceiling that doesn't exist. So I had a lot of breakdowns because I was kind of like, am I crazy? Like, am I a loser? Honestly, like, am I a loser? Am I stupid? Like I'm, I'm achieving these things. It's not enough. You know, in Korean culture, you go to school and then you go to after school. And then after that, you go home and you study and you're supposed to review everything that you've learned, not just the day before, but even a week or a month before. You're always supposed to be always supposed to keep things alive in your mind. So like you review and then you study what you learned today and then you preview what you're about to learn. And so you're supposed to know all these things. Not only are you supposed to get an A plus in schoolwork, you're supposed to get A plus in the after school work as well. Literally like nonstop studying. And if I weren't able to, you know, keep up with that because it was just so much and I would cry about it. I was frustrated. I felt stupid because I couldn't keep up with the higher performance. I was already a high performer at whatever age, but like the upkeeping of the higher expectations, I felt like a loser and there was no one, you know, showing me compassion. And it I was looked upon as stupid if I couldn't keep up in that way. And you know my story about like when I was in the second grade, my teacher called me stupid. And then my mom thought that there was something wrong with me. And so through these breakdowns, which then eventually led to like a suicide attempt in my sophomore year of college in my dorm room, um, using my diabetes supplies because I was diagnosed a year before my freshman year of college. And so with all of those never-ending expectations and no emotional intelligence, no self-awareness. And um, then I was, my mom had cancer. My mom had a heart attack. I, my, I lost my home to fire, became homeless. Um, all these things. And then I was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes, which is a chronic illness. And I'm just like, listen, Apparently I'm apparently I'm not enough. Apparently, no matter what it is that I strive for in life is not enough. 
it's you know then I get this chronic illness and it's just like dude what like seriously really it's literally like the last thing that I ever needed uh but then again being diagnosed with a chronic illness is the last thing that anybody needs but um yeah I had gone through just so much in my life that like at that point I was literally at my breaking point and even when I did do what I did um I honestly blacked out and I don't remember. And I actually only just started telling this story the end of 2019. So it's very recent because the story doesn't make sense. It's like, I don't remember what happened afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I am, I am a God believer. So does this mean that it was a God moment where he miraculously saved me in my sleep? I don't know. And um, I kept quiet because, you know, keeping quiet is what I was always taught. Um, I didn't want to be an inconvenience which is honestly like a certain narrative that some people have when they go through the thought process of considering going through suicide. It's like, I, I don't want to be alive because I feel like I'm an inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to tell people what I did and what I did to myself because it could be an in- inconvenience to other people. And then if, if somebody does go through, passing by suicide then there some people process it as like oh it's such a selfish thing to do then again it's inconvenient for people yeah yeah and so i didn't even want to bother with that dialogue and so i didn't tell anybody i didn't seek therapy i didn't seek anything i didn't tell literally anybody um at the time i was making music so i wrote about it i made a song about it put it up on youtube never expanded on it no one ever asked me either it's on youtube um Huh? Well, I might have to put this in the description now. No, oh. but you see, what had happened with my rap career was, you're not, you probably won't be able to find my music. Uh, okay. I purposely like uh, hit everything. Okay. Um, but, but that was your outlet. It was my outlet, and once I did like come out with this story, like, hey guys, like, remember back in sophomore year, I had this one song because my friends like do listen to songs and stuff. Um, this was what happened and yada, yada, yada. And they were like, had no idea because, um, a song is a song Yeah, and, and you're people an think that it's a song. Yeah. And people know that it's like an expression, but you know, when I don't come out with this song and say, I wrote this song because this happened last night, yeah. you know, no one's going to check in on me. And what's so funny about like those who do pass with suicide is that like, for example, those who you would never expect would do things, you know, you would never expect anybody to do anything, yeah. but, um, uh, what's uh, his name is escaping me right now. The, the Robin. lead singer of the oh. lead singer of Lincoln park. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, why can't I think of his name, but yes. Right? I know he took, yes. Okay. <laughs> people were like, some people would might say like, Oh, how could this be? But then after he passed people took time to look at his lyrics afterwards and it's just like dude this entire time he was crying out for help yeah but because it was good music and because it was relatable people didn't think like why is this so relatable yeah Yeah. is he going this how come he you know what that's exactly how i feel maybe he's going through something too oh but it probably happened in the past you know and like i remember i i also um do you know the semicolon project yeah so um, I've, I've met the founder and um, she came to Penn State to speak once. And so at a very small bookstore um, and I went to where she was right in front of my face and she told us her story, which is insane, 
insane. Sometimes you hear your stories and I'm just like, dude, wow. Thank God you're alive and yeah. through that. And that gave me so much hope because I was like, man, if she can go through shit like that, I can find one ounce of hope to make it through another day. And then like a year or two later, she passed by suicide. And I was like crushed. I was like, what does this mean when one of your strongest warriors you know, it doesn't go away. I don't, I don't yeah. know about you, but for me, the, for me, I still go through, you know, darker moments. I still, my depression, I always de- describe it as like a wave and it, it has high tide and low tide. And I have my moments and I still have those dark moments and the thought kind of like never leaves. And it's kind of like, man, we cannot assume that just because somebody may have gone gone through something and made it out of it does not mean that it won't start go back. Yeah. We cannot assume healing. that. That is so dangerous. Yeah. Healing so, is a journey. It, it is. Um, even for yeah. me, right? Like, um, uh, like my last attempt was about five years ago. Right. And for me, um, it took me time to like get comfortable talking about it. Then after I got to- like after I was like comfortable talking about it, I'm still healing. I still do things to make sure I don't have that thought process. Like yes, like especially now with COVID, um, I, my family was affected by it. I lost two people from it, and it's like, man, will I ever see my grandmother again? Will I ever see my mom again? Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to see them. You know, like they all in the Bronx, and I'm like, is it safe to travel or whatnot? And I try not to like overthink because if I overthink, then depression might kick in. So then, mm. okay, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the beach. Randomly on a whim. <laughs> All right, let me do mm. something else to break up that pattern. I believe in writing so much mm. because uh, what I do, I write. And whatever I'm going through, especially like if I have a wave of a, of a high wave, I will write all that out, tear out the paper, and just tear it up. That mm-hmm. film's gone. I'm not holding mm. on to it. That was right. just a thought. And it helps me out so much. I, I call it like release writing. Like just, mm. just boom, boom. I'm not going to keep it because if I'm going to keep it, I'm going to look at it and mentally I'm still going to think about that. But once I tear it right. up, I'm not, it's gone. I yeah. don't want to it. I can move forward to it. Um, yeah. Normally, like I communicate with, with the, the missus and let her know this is what I'm going through. Um, probably like three months ago, I had a panic attack, right? She had no idea what it was. Now, I, I'm about to record an episode of a podcast. She wants me to take care of the little kids. I'm like, okay, cool. And my like, I'm holding my son, and he's, like, screaming in my face. Like, I'm top of the lungs. And as he's screaming, like, my, my, my son was probably like three, four months at this time. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what you want. And uh, my daughter's, like, two at the time. And she's just like, daddy, daddy, daddy. Like, you know, like, shaking me. Like, you know, let's play. And I had a panic attack right there. It was too much. So yeah. I instantly like put the kid down and I went into my grounding position. And after like probably after like five or seven minutes, I was able to breathe and I had to tell her like, hey, this is too much. Let, let's slow this down. And and when you have somebody in your corner that knows that, hey, you know, this person had a mental health challenge, it makes life so much easier. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I tell her like, I'm not really feeling myself. Or I just go right, or hell, I might just go out there and just run, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like get my Forrest Gump on and just get all that anger out until I'm tired. And I'm like, all right, that was just a moment. Let me mm-hmm. put my life on pause. 
you just just get that out and it helps so much it's powerful yeah so so yeah. even even like it sucks because when you attempted uh suicide back in the days there's a chance that you can't do it again but that's why i do things instantly to try to break up that thought process you know what i mean right. like you know i'm a knicks fan so sometimes you know my team sucks but <laughs> you know like it makes me happy right like it makes yeah. me happy so like you know when the missus know i'm having a bad day hey go watch your knicks it's cool all right, cool. You know, like she knows it. Mm-hmm. And I express that to her. Or if I don't express it to her, I express it to myself. Mm-hmm. I need a moment. I'm going to take an hour shower. I'm going to be playing some music. <laughs> don't bother me. <laughs> but yeah. it helps. Those moments, those, when you know, only you know when those high waves are coming. Right. And only you know how to, how to prepare for those high waves. So you got to put yourself mm-hmm. in a position to win. Mm-hmm. I love hearing you. I'm going to start interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, it, it's honest, um, you know, because I created this podcast. Um, you know, I shared my story on the first episode, but I really thought about the stigma, right, of mental health and, and being a male. And males are more, unfortunately, four times higher than attempting suicide than females. So it's like, I have mm-hmm. to be advocate for this. Like, I'm still alive for a reason. When I went through... 100%. Through my multiple attempts, I'm here for a reason. Let me use my voice. But I can't just use my voice. I have to use other people's voice that don't look like me, that's in different places, because mental health challenges are not just a black, white thing. It's a human thing. And people have right. to understand that. It doesn't matter where you're from. You know, I just uh, recently I had interviewed a young woman from Japan, and she was going through a mental health challenge. Wow. And then I, I interviewed somebody from Australia. It's going through a mental, so it doesn't matter. It's all over. Dude. It's all over. So this is highly yeah. important to me. Yeah, the mental health rate in Asia, especially Japan. Oh yeah, yeah. Her story wow. was phenomenal. Like honestly, wow. I sat back and I was just like, okay, if she can go through this and she like achieve all this great greatness, then I can do it too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I some of the episodes are, are difficult. I'm not gonna lie, it is. You know, you for someone who don't know any outside looking in. You open up and share your story. That's it's like reopening that wound or ripping off that mm-hmm. band-aid sometimes. It can be sensitive, but yeah. my goal is to have these hard conversations that's no longer hard, but just conversations. Because we yeah. need it. Yeah. Making it like an everyday conversation. Why not? We normalizing it. Yeah, that's all we can mm-hmm. do. We normalize going to the gym. Y'all about to go get my workout on. Let's normalize talking about mental health or even talking about going to therapy. Why not? Yeah. I, I never went through um any therapists. Uh, my story, I went into the mental hospital, but uh, that was a whole disaster. But I needed to go there. Like, this is how I, I tell my, my friends. Um, the therapist there, he was a jerk, right? And um, he just like, oh, read my file. I was from the Bronx. And he instantly thought, like, I was a black kid that couldn't read. That mm. was just a waste. Uh, he, he looked at me as a statistic. At this age of my life, I'm used to it, right? But it is what it is. Um, but I needed to meet him because it's like, what is Batman without Joker? That man mm. sparked something in me to really open up, learn how to heal, not just to talk about mental health and my story, but help others. Not every psychiatrist is going to be a jerk or an asshole or anything like that. And as of today, his license is suspended forever and I can celebrate. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, after this episode, I'll tell you about this. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. But yeah. uh, 
But you know what? But I needed to meet him in order to have mm-hmm. the courage within myself to love myself enough where I can share my stories and help others. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the the, the uh, famous, uh, like the flight attendants, you know, when you're on the plane, put your oxygen mask on first before assisting others. And I did. And I'm still mm-hmm. educating myself to help others as well. Mm-hmm. But this is what it's all about. I, I enjoyed this episode. Um, but before you go, I know um, your audience is like young adults, professionals um, who are trying to be high performers, right? Who's mm-hmm. just used to being at the high level. If you had a couple of nuggets to give them advice, what would it be? Um, this is not a cliche. I don't care. It's on a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, there's no excellence without self-compassion. And the reason why I say that is because there's a difference between hustle and grind versus high performance. And the re- difference is that there's strategy and performance or there's, there's, it should be, there should be. Whether you're a professional, whether you're a student, whether you're an athlete, there has to be a strategy. And within that, because of sustainability and longevity of your career, of your performance, of your livelihood, uh, the thing about hustle and grind is that that culture believes in team no sleep and beast mode and um, all gas, no break kind of mindset. And people don't Though that culture might not realize that there, there's a time and place for everything. And that mentality does do well in shorter increments. Um, and also it's about the setting. Like, are you in a meeting? Are you hitting a deadline? Are you studying for something? Are you in the ring? Um, however, when you are outside of the zone, as certain people call it, it, when you put in the reps, when you're practicing, when you're putting in the work, it has to be sustainable and um, sustainable to achieve longevity. Otherwise, then people hit burnout. The reason why burnout happens, the, the definition of burnout is prolonged stress that's never been acknowledged. And so that means that you're in a state of stress, literally constantly and never taking care of it and never putting a remedy to it. Therefore, people end up in burnout. The reason why I say self-compassion is so important is because there's a stigma around self-compassion and taking breaks and what rest looks like. The reason why I talk about strategy is because even when it comes to rest and breaks there, it has to be effective strategy to take that break and what that rest looks like. Because otherwise people can say, I did take PTO. PTO is paid time off. I did take PTO. I did go on vacation. I did try to rest, but I come back to work and I'm still exhausted. Well, what did you do during your vacation? I was on the phone the whole day. Well, there you go, because information overload is a thing. Mental capacity is a thing. And therefore, you need to figure out a strategy that is effective towards what what does resting for you look like? And it has to be unique because mental health is unique and should be personalized. There's no one size fits all for mental health. And so, yeah, the hustle and grind versus high performance. And so then longevity could look like burnout prevention. Um, we cannot hustle and grind and then wait until we hit burnout every single time in order to say, I need to take a break because that will exhaust us yeah. and breaks don't delay progress. Burnout delays progress. If you've ever experienced burnout before, it is so freaking hard to get out of it. And also it's hard to like measure when measure the progress of the burnout in order to feel good to work again, because when you're in burnout, it's hard to do anything. 
let alone measure your progress. So uh, I always say that breaks don't delay progress, burnout delays progress. And therefore, um, there's even a research done that says that self-compassion is actually one of the most powerful tools of resilience and coping available to us. So then it turns out that um, this thing that society tells us not to indulge in, well, no, indulge is the wrong word. I don't condone indulge in anything because that's in the Bible, but like, I'm not telling you to indulge in taking a break. I'm not telling you to indulge in rest. I'm not telling you to, because indulging in rest means you're being lazy and I'm not condoning laziness. I am not telling you to be lazy. Please make that distinction. Okay, don't quote me. You'll know nothing about laziness. I'm not telling you to be lazy. I'm telling you to be strategic and mindful. Have a high level of self-awareness to be able to check in with yourself. Know what self-care routines work for you and make sure that you implement it into your routines. And so I'm a performance coach and I talk a lot about like time blocking and things like that. You have to put your self-care routine in your schedule first before any freaking meeting. Yes. Because boundaries boundaries are important because we need to make sure that our professional expectations are not impeding with personal needs because that's exactly what how burnout happens you let one meeting slide and then the next and then the next and your clock that output yes. somebody yeah that yes, that yes. That yes 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 i'll be there out, yes i'll be there yeah you're you're clocked out but somebody needs you and therefore you say yes to a meeting and then on, you let another one slide another one slide another one slide and there's no measuring in your bandwidth, you know, our bandwidth, especially in 2020 and 2021 can change by literally a minute. Like I can know there's a meeting ahead or not even a meeting, uh, an optional call at the end of the day. And I can look forward to it all day. I know it's there, but even like 30 minutes before I say, I can't do it. Yeah. But I'm giving me myself this grace because it's an optional meeting. And I guess like I'm noticing that um, when I work with clients, companies are saying like, oh, we have optional meetings now. We have optional Zoom calls now. Oh, unlimited PTOs. And people think that that's enough, but it's not no. because you can give unlimited PTOs for your employees, but people actually don't even know when to allow themselves to take a break, one. And two, you can have a break, but again, you might not know what kind of break you need. And so there has to be this constant culture of accountability, as well as just encouragement to take breaks and creating a culture of self-compassion and what that looks like. It's a whole thing, but uh, no, no, this that is was great. my super long answer. Super long answer. <laughs> no, but, but it's fine. Short, it's, it's, it's needed. It's needed. Yeah. So yeah, no excellence without self-compassion. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm talking about self-compassion. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, when you was explaining all of that, I was actually thinking about uh, LeBron James, right? LeBron James mm -hmm. is one of the highest performance basketball players I ever seen. Um, mm -hmm. But he talks about the importance of rest. He, mm -hmm. he rests literally eight hours. And people think like, oh, the team no sleep. Like, no, rest is highly important to get that high performance that you want. LeBron yeah. James is 36, still playing like as, as if he's 30. And it's yeah. because rest is part of his routine. He yes. schedules that eight-hour rest to get that LeBron James that we see on the court and off the court. And uh, I think it was, that was great. But unfortunately, it's time for us to go. Please tell everybody, where, where can they find you at? 
My Instagram is at jiggy underscore yoon. My website is jiggyyoon.com. Uh, if you would like to take, pick up a t-shirt, uh, right now I'm making all the proceeds go to stop AAPI hate. Uh, stop hating stop attacking the elders what the fuck like why do i have to even explain this i honestly like no, sometimes no. it's self-explanatory sometimes it's so hard to love on people because shit like this happens and i'm like they take advantage of you lord have mercy oh my gosh <laughs> but anyways um that's where all the proceeds for the rest of my inventory for my t-shirts will be going to perfect i'm gonna have everything in the description down below please check her out she's awesome um I'm a huge fan of her. Like she may not know it, but I'm telling you now, I like to give people their roses while they can still smell them. What you're doing, personally, I find amazing. Um, you may not look at yourself like this, but you are a superhero. And I want to tell you this in front of everybody. Until then, guys, see you next time. Peace. Today's episode of the Just Believe podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're currently going through a mental health challenge, don't be scared to look in the show notes and reach out to those resources. If people are going to put labels on you, tell them, look, labels are made for jars, not people. Whatever obstacles that's facing in front of you, you can overcome that as long as you just believe. Until then, I'll see you next week. Peace.